Welcome to the Senya Happy Hour, where you get one hour of learning in less than 30 minutes. Hi, all. It's Lori Bull, your host of the Senya Happy Hour podcast. Today, I had the great pleasure of speaking with Leah Kuypers, who's the creator of Zones of Regulation, which has been enthusiastically received by educators, therapists, and parents around the world. Leah's book, also entitled The Zones of Regulation, has sold more than 100,000 copies worldwide. If you are new to the zones or you need a refresher, then be sure to join us for our Senya virtual conference in December, as Leah will be teaching us about the basics of the zones of regulation. In today's podcast, we learn about her inspiration behind creating the curriculum and how teachers and parents can implement it into their classrooms and homes. We discuss what it means to feel regulated and also about the impact of COVID on our children's ability to regulate on a daily basis upon returning to school. I learn more each time I read about or attend a presentation of Leah's, and I hope you'll be inspired to try the zones of regulation as well. And now, on to the show. Hi, Leah, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lori. It is an honor to be with you today. Well, as both a learning support teacher and an intensive needs teacher and a mom of a child with special needs, I have been using zones of regulation for years. And it seems whether I'm checking out classrooms in the U.S. or overseas, the zones are everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, really humbling to see the impact it is having um, across the world. I imagine. I imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in creating the zones? Sure. Um, I am an occupational therapist by trade. I was working in the schools as well as I had some clinical practice, uh, but I really saw the need come through when I was in the school-based settings. uh, And had so many students on my caseload who couldn't stay in class, uh, they couldn't regulate, uh, and it was impacting their participation with academics as well as with peers and socially. Um, It uh, was heartbreaking to see these punitive measures be applied over and over again and not impact results. Uh, The students weren't becoming more engaged uh, in uh, actuality, you know, we saw that negative self-esteem uh, impacted more so and withdrawal. So I felt it was my duty to figure out how can they become more, you know, functional in the classroom, engage uh, in these meaningful tasks throughout their day and build relationships. And as an OT, I just didn't have all the tools and resources I needed. Uh, So I started taking more graduate courses. Uh, I ended up getting uh, autism uh, resource uh, graduate certificate and uh, applying things I was learning to my caseload. Eventually, this idea of these four zones popped in my head and I started trialing out my ideas. I had 
you know, kindergarten classrooms up to high school classrooms of uh, kids with really significant behavior needs. Um, they were in uh, all special ed school, um, self-contained classrooms within those schools. And it was very much this behavioral based um, model with a lot of punitive measures to try to kind of curb that behavior. Uh, so I wanted to go about it and truly teach them lessons, build uh, more capacity for them to manage themselves um, and regulate through the stressors so that uh, they could be more successful. So uh, a lot of trial and error, a lot of collaboration with my colleagues, uh, a lot of continuing ed to just get more pieces of the puzzle to fill in. And um, eventually I wrote the curriculum first as my uh, graduate uh, capstone and was then really fortunate to have uh, interest from publishers and uh, from there uh, worked with social thinking uh, to transform it into the curriculum it is today. Yeah, well, <laughs> did it surprise you when this concept like spread worldwide? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is just um, mind boggling to me, really. I, you know, think about those kids on my caseload that you know, I was desperate to try to figure out some different strategies to support them. And I really thought, you know, this is something I see for uh, therapists to be using, special ed teachers to be using, and hopefully we can get it to generalize into some uh, regular ed classrooms and get these kids supported across settings. To see the adoption in the general ed and uh, move from you know, school-wide to district-wide in uh, cities, it's been amazing. Um, it just really touches me because I know so many kids fall through the cracks. They don't get identified as needing services or they don't qualify, but there's clearly needs. Uh, there's kids who internalize a lot of their dysregulation and you know find unhealthy ways to regulate as they get older. And so it really, uh, brings me a lot of joy to think about, you know, when with the adoption of this, you know, across schools, across countries, you know, how many kids uh, were helping to thrive and, you know, build a life skill that everyone uses uh, for their lifetime. Yeah, I, th I love when general ed takes it on. Uh, our last school that, that my husband and I were at um, in Bangkok uh, there was a presentation given at the school and then almost every elementary school teacher adopted it in their classroom. It was really powerful to walk in and, and see all the kids in the, in the community discussing their zone and, um, strategies yeah, that they could it just, do. It's powerful. It builds this inclusive environment where yeah. all the learners are supporting each other, um, you know, I hear from teachers that it really shifts the lens in which the kids see each other. It's not about the behaviors anymore. They understand each other based around feelings. Uh, wind zones is part of the language and 
climate in the classroom. And yeah, it's not that one kid who then is, um, you know, using the zones and, you know, has no to little support network. It's, you know, everyone's speaking the same language. Everyone's got tools and that's okay that our tools look different. That's, you know, part of the piece of regulation and what the zones really uh, tries to teach is that you can individualize your toolbox based on how you perceive these zones and what supports you in regulating them. Yeah. Can we back up a little bit just in case people are unaware of the term regulation and um, self-regulation? Can you briefly describe that for us? Sure. Uh, We think about regulation as being able to regulate your sensory needs. So thinking about uh, your states of alertness and being uh, maybe in a heightened state because you just heard a loud bang and physiologically your body changes at heart races that, um, you know, eyes pop open, alert, looking for danger, muscles tense, uh, to we can have really low states of alertness. Um, think about feeling groggy in the morning when that alarm clock goes off. Uh, and so these states of alertness uh, change throughout the day and certainly uh, those with sensory uh, needs can um, perceive uh, more heightened states of alertness from the sensory environment around them uh, and vice versa, uh, move into lower states of arousal too more easily. Uh, So we think about regulating that as well as emotions, which is just innate. It's who we are as humans that we have feelings. So that's natural. And we work to regulate these states of alertness and feelings, our energy levels in context of what's going on around us. We think about the task demands that are before us. And you know, maybe it's trying to work through this problem to complete your homework, or maybe it's trying to engage with some classmates at lunch and have someone to talk to. Um, we think about uh, those goals, whether they're, you know, the ones right in front of us having um, fun while we play this game to even as we are more uh, perceptive as we're aging up to those long-term goals. I want to get into a good university. Uh, so regulation entails monitoring and managing these different feelings and states to achieve these goals, meet the task demands, uh, and uh, establish a sense of well-being. So thanks. Um, thanks for that. And then when you think about self-regulation, we're doing this independently. Uh, much of what we're doing though is co-regulation, where there's a social factor involved in this. Uh, you know, thinking about that baby coming out of the womb and being comfort comforted by caregivers, or you as an adult after a frustrating day at work, finding a colleague or your partner to vent to. Um, Mm -hmm. We co-regulate throughout our lifetime too. Yeah. Thank you. So at the upcoming Senu conference, you'll be giving us all an introduction to the zones of regulation. I absolutely can't wait. I know so many of our participants are really, really looking forward to it. 
Without giving away your whole presentation, can you give us just an introduction to the zones? Yeah, so I'll be talking about the zones as a simplified way to think and talk about all these feelings we experience. And the zones of regulation gives us then this visual structure, uh, an easy way to communicate uh, where we're at. So with these four colored zones, we categorize all these different feelings and states. Uh, and then once we have that awareness of what zone we're in, we can start thinking about what are our tools and strategies to help us regulate that zone. So um, for example, the red zone tools uh, where we're in this more heightened state and have these really big overwhelming emotions, those tools and strategies are gonna look different than when we're in a blue zone and we're in that lower state of alertness. Our emotions may be more down in that colored zone. So our strategies look different. Uh, the zones then really emphasize all feelings are okay, all zones are okay. And um, your zone is based on how you're feeling. On the inside, it is not defined by your behavior on the outside. Um, that may or may not match what's going on inside. I think that's really important that all zones are okay. It's it's a hard kind of, I think for a lot of teachers, a lot of um, therapists, when we hear, when we see a child in the red zone, we automatically want to, you know, jump in and help. So how how do how do we balance that thought with all zones are okay? Yeah. Well, understanding, you know, really, I think of behavior as communication and this child is in need of something and isn't feeling quite right in, you know, their situation. So one thing we stress is, you know, the zones, we ask you to have compassion, empathy, uh, and try to take away that judgment, uh, seeing, uh, child in that heightened red zone state uh, might be an opportunity for us to connect even non-verbally with them. And uh, we could use visual supports if they've been uh, familiar with uh, these visuals ahead of time. You don't want to spring it on them when they're in that red zone state uh, if it's something novel for them. Uh, and with trust and rapport and building that relationship, which is something we really stress when using the zones of regulation framework, we can support them in finding healthy tools to help regulate. Maybe we've pre-taught uh, and practiced going to a you know, comfort corner or regulation station. Uh, that they're familiar with. And so we can use the zone structure and language, um, and that can be done non-verbally uh, with visual supports to guide them to this tool that we've talked about in practice. Um, with time, uh, maybe that individual become more independent in being able to self-identify, okay, mm -hmm. yep, I'm in that red zone, and this is my go-to tool that I know helps me when I'm in that red zone. So we overlearn these responses um, to 
to how to manage our zones so that it becomes easier and second nature. But that does take time, it takes practice, and there's a whole curriculum that uh, walks us through that, um, teaching that, and gives the individuals you're teaching the time to practice and the exposure and setting up that climate that allows for it to be safe to have these emotions and mm -hmm. use these tools to regulate. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I had a student um, in one of my intensive needs classroom and she had autism and sometimes she'd walk in and her emotions were way in the red. <laughs> and uh, we had the signal of, I would just point to the sign. Um, what zone are you in? And she'd look at it and she'd say, I'm in the red zone. And then she'd, she'd trot off or storm off to the sensory room where she would get on the swing and swing for, she'd set the timer for like three minutes and she'd come out and she'd say, okay, I feel better. I'm in the green zone. So it was really, it was just such a, an easy way to state the obvious without stating the obvious, you know? <laughs> I think it just brings it much more to this conscious level of mm -hmm. awareness and gives us this easy way to kind of think through, okay, yep, I'm in this red zone and here's what I do, or yep, I'm in the blue zone today and I need this to help me um, right. manage that. Right. So well, again, I'm yeah. so excited for everyone to learn about this at the conference they're, they're going to love it. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm excited to share. It's, um, you know, it's fun to do what you're passionate about. Oh yes, definitely. Well, I reached out to some of our Senya board members to, and the directors and associate directors to see if they had any questions for you. Um, and they did. Uh, they said, one said zones of regulation is a tool that is often used at school, but can it be used at home? How can parents use zones with their children? Great question. Uh, well, I'm a parent of an eight and 11 year old, and we've had it in our home since uh, my son was about three. So uh, it certainly is easy to adapt into the home environment. I hear from a lot of parents that give me the feedback that the book is very, uh, very much lends itself to be used in the home um, to, as well as you know, schools or therapeutic settings. Uh, so there with um, getting caregivers on board, uh, you know, we now provide this consistency and um, you have that co-regulation support from caregivers. Um, again, creating this safe space to talk about feelings and uh, using those strategies to uh, support that. I think it helps with um, caregivers too. Um, I know as a parent, um, I had all this training as a therapist, but it still doesn't prepare you to be a parent. Um, and <laughs> Nothing you does. Get, you, you know, your kid's doing something and it, it's frustrating, you know, and it's like, um, I, even this morning, uh, you know, it's the third day of school and um, my son was, who's 11, was really upset that we didn't have Nutella. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have never had Nutella in the house. <laughs> um, so 
and this girl in his class is getting peanut butter Nutella sandwiches and he really wanted this. And I, um, you know, we haven't gotten to the store since school started. So it is what it is. And it's, you know, he offered last night to buy the Nutella. And I was like, yeah, you can bike to the store in the morning and get Nutella if you wake up early enough. But, you know, I, we're not going just for Nutella. Um, and so he's, you know, kind of storming around this morning. And, you know, we check in, he tells me, he's like, yeah, I'm, almost in the red zone. And I'm like, okay, let's stop and think about this. Uh, you know, so he decides to take um, his breakfast and eat alone by himself um, to help him. And then we hear him fuming. And I go, Daniel, is this, a, is this, are you kind of stuck on the Nutella? And he goes, yes. And my <laughs> husband goes, don't tell me this is all about Nutella. And I said, David, this isn't about Nutella, but Nutella is what is at the surface of this. And there's a lot more other feelings going on. But, you know, it just gave us a different lens to look at it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, oh, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, there that, could be so many feelings. Third day of school, he's meeting new, new people. Right. We don't and know we what the interactions this, are going along at school, how his relationship is with his teacher. I mean, there's so much. And we have this like grumpy, irritable kid who seems obsessed with Nutella. <laughs> and I'm like, but yes, this is the behavior we're like observing. And underneath this, though, are a lot of feelings, you know, that yeah. um, is... Yeah is really at the heart of it. And so my husband was like, oh yeah. And he kind of <laughs> just backed off, you know, like, I don't, you know, we're not going to talk logic with him about Nutella. The Nutella. <laughs> we're just going to understand there's a lot of feelings underneath this behavior. And I think that's something that the zones lens caregivers to see a little easier is that it's not just about behavior and my getting frustrated with my kid who's not acting the way I really hope they want right. they will and I'm getting uncomfortable with those feelings now too because now I'm frustrated and it mm -hmm. puts this language to base it back in emotions um and not so behavior mm -hmm. and maybe once he's in the green zone for a while you can do the more deep dive into the feelings right yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope you work out that Nutella situation. <laughs> well, I might have grocery shopping on my to-do list this afternoon. So. And he'll probably try it and hate it. So. Right. Um, yeah. So. Well, um, another uh, one of our associates asked, um, something I've noticed in both my daughters is the social anxiety piece, having to go back to school and interact with their peers. COVID really isolated us. And now it's trying to help our girls with feeling nervous, scared, et cetera. So in the classroom, maybe how to use the zones in a morning meeting type environment to help children start to identify what zone they're in and strategies to use within their interpersonal interactions. So I guess that's not more, not really a question, but more of a um, <laughs> statement of how, how their teachers could support them. Yeah. And that's, I know a lot of classrooms integrate zones 
and what we call zones check-ins uh, into that morning meeting or you know opening circle time uh, with their classrooms. And it's a great read for teachers to get a gauge of where their students are at, who they may need to personally connect with. Um, you know, you see a student maybe check in in the red, and that's time well spent if you can you know support that learner and have you know a successful day as an outcome versus kind of letting that boil to sure yeah. you know um get uh maybe break down uh later uh but what this also does is it gives all our learners that opportunity to just pause and reflect where they're at. And with that, for many of them, they might notice, hey, you know, I am coming into school this morning in the yellow, which is um, before the red zone where we have our feelings getting more intense, but not as overwhelming as that red zone. And for them, they might just notice and catch themselves and think about, okay, what do I need to do to take care of my yellow zone? Maybe it is take a deep breath or, you know, find a way to move before I have to sit um, mm -hmm. or something like that. And so it gives them that opportunity to self-reflect and evaluate what uh, might be best to support them. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm also wondering if, if maybe the underlying question here is, is more about COVID and the effect of the isolation for the past year. Um, have you heard from teachers or what is your experience now with kids heading back to school and their, their levels maybe? Uh, yeah, I, I think we have just a big mixed bag of emotions. Um, you know, we have, and parents too, right? Uh, sure. There's a big mistake of emotions I can um, speak of personally. Uh, that, you know, there's a lot of things up in the air and new norms. And yeah, uh, that social anxiety is huge, I think, um, sure. for a lot of these kids. And, you know, their learning style at home was uh, maybe a lot more accommodated than what it might be in the classroom. And so it's now back to a more traditional learning format that, you know, some of our kids, I think, are really going to struggle with uh, not having kind of that flexibility to maybe, you know, learn upside down or in a soft chair or, yeah. you know, splayed out on a rug or whatever it might be. And so I'm really hoping that um, we have schools, teachers um, who can offer some flexibility in mm -hmm. um, meeting our kids where they're at and um, really uh, taking note of some of these lessons we've learned during COVID is that our kids can learn lots of different ways. Uh, and um, the more that we can support that, um, you know, allow for that regulation to happen, uh, we're going to have more attentive yeah. uh, kids ready to take in that knowledge that yeah. Um, I think, you know, also just 
the, you hear so much about, oh, we need to fill in the gaps from last year, the academic gaps from last year. And, you know, if I, if I had, if I ran the world, I'd be like, can we not focus on that? (laughs) Let's just focus on these kids and getting them to feel comfortable and um, less anxiety about the return to school. I know. And my daughter is in third grade and she said, yeah, mom, there's some kids who I don't think they've been to school for a long time. I think they forgot how um, to go to school. (laughs) I'm thinking what an about observation these, for a third grader. Yeah. And I'm thinking of all these teachers, you know, it's just, I think we need to just offer a ton of grace um, to kids, to teachers, and all just be very flexible in um, what this might look like and how can we kind of shape education um, going forward to yeah. really support these different needs of the kids. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, finally, you've uh, recently released some new products. Uh, tell us, tell us what they are. I know we have zones, story book series, and tools to try card decks. So tell yeah, us. Yes. So um, myself, along with one of my close colleagues and friends, Elizabeth Sodder, uh, we worked together and created a two book series uh, that really explains the zones of regulation and how to use tools to regulate our zones and puts it together in uh, this pathway that we call the uh, road to regulation, which is the title of um, the first book. And um, the second book is called The Regulation Station. And that's where they're thinking about their tools and uh, how those tools help them manage each of their zones. So that storybook set is really designed for our uh, primary age kids, elementary school, five to 12 year olds. Um, And then we have the same characters featured in our tools to try cards for kids. And that is 50 different tools or regulation strategies for them to explore and reflect on um, how these tools might help them in their different zones, uh, helping to ultimately create this uh, toolbox that is taught in the zones of regulation curriculum. Uh, We also have the tools to try cards for teens and tweens, which is for those you know, adolescents and uh, could also be used with uh, adults. These cards are illustrated in a style that's um, more appealing to that adolescent population. The tools, some of the core tools are the same, and but we also introduce a bunch of different tools for that population, more cognitive based tools, thinking strategies, um, mm. mindfulness strategies, uh, And those uh, card decks are great to pull, um, you know, one tool a day or not a day, one tool a week and just focus it on it as the tool of the week. Uh, Let the kids explore it. um, And then at the end of the week, reflect, you know, what zone or zones would this tool help me in um, and Mm -hmm. building that toolbox. Uh, Uh. So 
yeah, it's been fun to uh, create these ancillary products. It's all intended to be used in conjunction with the curriculum itself. Um, that's going to sure. give you that uh, format, um, the detailed lessons, that structure, and then these uh, are to enhance and extend learning. Uh, I, <laughs> I wish I had that card deck when I was uh, teaching middle school. That would have been so perfect. But now I, now I know about it. Um, and I, I'm going to grab it for some other students that I'm seeing now. So <laughs> I'm excited about it. Thank you. So, well, Leah, I think that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for talking with us and joining yeah, us and on this podcast. I meant to um, say this when we were talking about caregivers, too. I made a video and COVID. Um, super awkward video. I am not intended to be a YouTube <laughs> star. <laughs> However, uh, I did my best. And so we created um, a zones check-in video of how you can do this at home. Okay. And it helps the learners and caregivers set this up for the home environment. Okay. Uh, and that will... is available on our website at zonesofregulation.com. Okay. And I'll put the, all that on our show notes and link the video as awesome. well. Awesome. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for stopping in to our Senya Happy Hour. Don't forget to head over to senyainternational.org slash podcasts and check out our show notes from our discussion today. We at Senya hope you are enjoying these podcasts. There is so much to explore and we're at the very beginning. So feel free to drop us a note. And let us know what you'd like to hear more about during your next Senya Happy Hour. Until then, cheers!